Salute omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati, eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 5b, Aeneid Book 1, Lines 156 to 179. In this episode, you will hear an extremely vivid description of a bay, and you will hear an extremely vivid description of making fire, because poetry. De fes ai neadae quae proxima litura cursu contendunt peter et libiae vertunturadoras. Est in secessu longo locus, insula portum efficit objectu laterum quibus omnis abalto frangitur in quesinus scendit se sunda reductos. Hinc at quinc vastae rupes geminique minantur in caelum scapuli, Quorum sub vertice late, aequora tuta silent, tum silui scaena coruscis de super, orenti quatrum nemos imminet umbra. Fronte sub adversas gabulis pendentibus antrum, intus aquae dulces vivoque sedilia saxo, nymphorum domus, hic fessos non vincula naves ulla tenent, unco non aligat ancora morsu. Huc septineas collectis nauibus omni ex numero subit, ac magno telluris amore egressi optata potiuntur troes arena, et sale tebentes artus in litera ponunt. Ac primum silici scintil excudit acates, suscapit quignim foliis at quarida circum nutrimenta dedit rapuit quin fomite flamam. Tum cererem corruptum undis cerealia quarma expediunt fessirerum, frugesque receptas et torera parant flamis et frangara saxo. The exhausted followers of Aeneas strive to seek the shores which are closest on their course and are turned to the coasts of Libya. There is a place in a long recess, an island creates a port with the projection of its sides, by which every wave from the deep is broken and splits itself into receding folds. Here and there, vast crags and twin cliffs loom into the sky, under the peak of which, far and wide, the safe seas are silent. Then from above, a scene with flashing woods and a dark grove threatens with shuddering shade. Under the opposite face, a cave of hanging rocks, sweet waters within, and seats of living stone, the home of nymphs. Here no chains hold weary ships, no anchor binds with hooked bite. To this place Aeneas passes into with seven ships, gathered from his entire number, and the Trojans, having disembarked with great love of land, gain possession of longed-for sand, and place their limbs dripping with salt on the shore. And first of all, Achates strikes a spark from flint, and takes up the fire with leaves, and gives dry nourishment around it, and seizes the flame in wood chips. Then the men make ready the series, spoiled by the waters and the cereal tools, weary of things, and they prepare to roast the recovered grains with flames and grind them with stone. After the storm is calmed, Aeneas and the surviving ships head toward the nearest coast, which happens to be North Africa. 
This decision will ultimately lead him to meet Dido and the Carthaginians and set into motion the tragedy that is Book 4. This section of lines is primarily focused on description, using poetic devices such as alliteration to enhance the imagery of the scene depicted. There are also two examples of metonymy in these lines, salt, referring to ocean water as we have seen before, and Ceres, goddess of agriculture and grain, to refer to the grain that the Trojans bring out to eat and the tools they use to prepare it. The majority of these lines describe the place of safe harbor where the Trojans park their battered fleet. Determined poetry for a vivid, detailed description of a setting, person, or object is ekphrasis. There is a very famous ekphrasis in the Iliad, describing the shield of Achilles, which Virgil uses as a model to describe the armor that Venus has fashioned for Aeneas in Book 8. But in these lines, the ekphrasis is of a bay where the Trojans find safe harbor. And Virgil constructs this depiction to present a duality within the scene. On one hand, words like tuta, silent, coruskis, and dulces present a source of calm, safety, and much-needed respite for the Trojans. On the other hand, words like minantur, horenti, atrum, and eminet hint at something ominous lurking beneath the surface, and foreshadow the troubles that will come from their time in Carthage. This is both a place of refuge and a future source of trouble for the Trojans, and the imagery of these lines captures this contrast. Akates, Aeneas's right-hand man, takes the lead role in making a fire, which Virgil devotes three lines to describing in great detail. Then three more lines are dedicated to pulling out waterlogged grain and getting it ready to roast on fire. The question arises here as to why Virgil would spend so much time describing the process of starting a fire and preparing food to eat. I don't have a definite answer to this, but potentially there are several explanations. Number one, no matter what has happened to them, basic biological needs still exist, The Trojans need to eat, and so they do. Secondly, making a fire and food are as good a way as any to take their minds off the calamity they just endured, bring a sense of normalcy back to their lives, and focus on something they can control at that moment. They don't know where they are, they've just been battered by a divine storm, and only seven of their twenty ships have made it to this shore, none of which they have any influence over. But they can make a fire and dry out their food supply. Or it could be, at this point in their seven years of wandering, they have experienced so much misfortune that all they know to do is wearily trudge on. Virgil does call them Fessi Rerum, so they take it all in world-weary stride and start salvaging what they can, again, to start over, again. Finally, this entire section could serve as a pausing point in the narrative to allow both the characters and the audience to catch their breath, so to speak, after such an intense storm scene. If you think about movies, shows, and stories that are familiar to you, they will often employ this technique. An intense sequence will happen, and then there will be a short break to recover and reset before building up to the next intense sequence. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. How does Virgil use vivid imagery to paint a picture of the scene where the Trojans find safe harbor? The bay and cave are perceived by the Trojans as a safe place where they can recover from the storm. How does Virgil make the land seem inviting and safe? How does he foreshadow future danger? How does Virgil use the contrast between wet and dry states to emphasize a scene transition in the narrative? What functions do the making of fire and preparation of food serve for the characters and for the audience? How does Virgil use detailed place description in the Aeneid? 
How does this compare and contrast to Caesar's detailed place descriptions, such as the parts of Gaul in Book 1, Chapter 1? Gratias ago pro auscultando, valete.